Well, good evening, everyone. My name is Brian, and today is Thursday, June 29th, 2023, and this is another episode of Lots to Talk About. It's actually the final live episode of Lots to Talk About until we come back on July 31st and uh, do a, a trip recap because we're heading out on the road for July. Wanted to spend some extra time with Corey on the road, and so I booked it all out pre-recorded all the interviews and we are going to take a semi-vacation because I'll still be doing the daily live morning show from the road. So that'll be exciting. Uh, but tonight I'm going to uh, bring on a guest and uh, we're going to chat about being out in nature, uh, mindfulness, learning from nature and how it can help heal. Uh, my guest this evening is an avid outdoorsman that has struggled with mental health issues his whole life. It has led him down a series of wrong paths, but throughout through building a relationship with nature, he has started to heal. Through both physical skills and connecting with nature on a spiritual level, he has helped himself and is now helping others. With that, I would like to welcome two lots to talk about, Mike Martin from Project Mindfully Outdoors. How are we doing, Mike? I'm doing great. Fantastic. Best day ever. How are you doing over there, my friend? Hey, I woke up and I was breathing this morning, so that's good, right? That's right. That's a start. It, uh, it, every day when you wake up and uh, and you can just try to make it a new one, I thought that was uh, that's always a good thing. So um, I kind of threw out uh, a lot about you there, but if you want to introduce yourself, if you got anything else to add to that, uh, I brought you on. Kind of want to talk about your journey, where uh, where you've ended up, and what you got going on. But uh, man, tell us about Mike Martin. Well, let's see. Like like you mentioned, I'm an avid outdoorsman. I love hunting. Love fishing. And getting out there and just being one with nature gives you that ability to, I I guess the best way to put it would be connect with yourself. You know, we get out there and we all kind of look for that solitude aspect of it. And it can be uncomfortable. And that's a lot of what my journey for the first 40 some pages of that journey was. It's just being uncomfortable with myself because, you know, like you mentioned, suffering with or struggling with depression, anxiety, it's been like a lifelong battle. Those are the hardest things in the world. And I've hit my second divorce, right? That was like the moment in my life that I hit the brick wall. And I remember sitting in my truck that very first night being homeless after that, looking in the rearview mirror going, man, something ain't right. You know, every single trail that I walk down, this is where I end up. Why is that? And realizing that that depression and that anxiety, it sucked my self-value, my self-worth out of me completely. Therefore, I was looking for it externally. You know, I was looking for somebody else to give it to me. And regardless of how much time I got to spend out in nature and explore the wilderness, I never took that time to use the solitude aspect of it in a way that offered the connection internally to build up that self-worth. And to go back to sitting in, in the truck, looking in the rearview mirror that night, that was one of those components that I realized I had to face. And the safest place for me to do that was in the wilderness, realizing that I had the skill set out there, you know, hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, all those things you rely on yourself, right? And when you get into the concrete world, sometimes you forget about that, especially when you're, when mental health challenges are some of the obstacles that you face. So being able to slow down and get into those sort of things and explore and take that self inventory, I think was really that pivotal point that brought me toward the direction where I'm at now. Essentially it remagnetized my compass and helped yeah. me to find my true North. Did you, did you grow up outdoors or was that something you acquired later? Was it something that you've been at since you were a kid? It was something that growing up, 
I remember chasing my grandfather on all to go along on all his adventures, right? And then he had a massive stroke, which took him out of the outdoor game. And at that point, I was still young, and it took me out of the outdoors as well. And then toward the end of his life, I remember distinctly getting this itch that I needed to get out in order to reconnect with him and to chase those those kind of memories. And that brought me back into it. And then, you know, obviously the snowball kept growing and kept growing until I hit that pivotal moment in life where I realized there's more out there than just chasing the past. As much as it's important to learn from those that have walked before us, you've got to also look at the surroundings of the moment that you're standing in as well. It's never the same. Exactly. That moment, yeah, we were kind of talking about before, like being out in the woods and, and how things slow down. Like if you really start observing and you realize when you're looking around, uh, say you're sitting in a tree stand and there's nothing around because there's never anything around when I'm in a tree stand. <laughs> but, uh, other than squirrels that make me jump, like there's a there's a 12 point behind me. But uh, but if you're looking around and speaking to squirrels and leaves and whatever, you're looking at that and it's never going to be the same. Like at, at any moment in the rest of the universe, those leaves are never going to be in the same spot. That squirrel's never going to be in the same spot. So take that moment for what it is. And there's plenty of times that I've missed deer because I was just sitting, just sitting and observing. I love that line. In fact, actually, I've got the uh, Marcus Aurelius version of that written in on the dashboard of my truck right now, which is you never step twice in the same river. And he coined that from Heracles. And it's an important thing to remember because, you know, as we go through our daily daily lives, we like to almost put the blinders on, I guess would be a fair way to say it, because we don't soak in all the details. We take for granted the fact that it's going to be there. And, you know, honestly, along my journey, obviously, anxiety has been a huge part of that. And I feel like from personal experience, the anxiety is one of those crayons that kind of writes over the idea of really soaking in the moment because you want to jump from one to the next. And to the point about sitting in a, in a tree stand, there was a experience actually just the this last season where it was the height of the rut and it, it was cold. You know, there, there was a snowstorm that blew in and out of nowhere, this beautiful, amazing young buck walked in. And I mean, he had a rack. And I'm standing there, and one of my rules that I hold myself to is I like to chase a deer that I have a connection with. I had never seen Longhorn, as I named him. I had never seen him before. Therefore, I wasn't going to shoot him. But granted, it's like you know, almost zero degrees outside with the windshield, snow pouring down. And here he is just taunting the living hell out of me. And I'm thinking to myself, I call myself a hunter. I'm standing up here in this tree blind and I'm not shooting. What the hell am I doing out here? Right. And then I get this, this thought in my head that I get this taste of deer medicine, which for those of you that aren't familiar with animal totems, if you look at a situation with an animal, for example, going about the course of their day, the course of their actions, why they're here, and realizing that they don't live in a story. They don't have the ability to write a narrative around a situation the way that we do. And for Longhorn to be standing there in the middle of the day, because it was breeding season. He had a mission and a job to do. His defenses were down. You know, in a normal every other day, he'd have been hiding at that time of day, right? But because it was the rut, it's his job to get out there and further his species. And when I thought about it in that aspect, realizing that even though he is doing that, in the back of his mind, 
he knows that he can trust that fight or flight instinct that he has if he gets into a situation. Therefore, when I look at my relationship with anxiety and I think about, even though it's not life and death in reality, in my head, it sure as hell is at the moment. You right. know, I, I want to run because there's a coyote coming to chase me down, whatever it is. But if Longhorn can do it in a matter of a life and death situation, if we step outside of those feelings and realize that as, a, you know, just like a clock ticks from one second to the next, it changes, right? So does our feelings and our emotions and every urge and instinct that we have. They're, they're there for a reason. But if you can step outside of that story, you can achieve furthering whatever it is that you're trying to reach, you know, another step toward your goal, just like Longhorn is out there to further his species. Right, right. Yeah, and we take, I mean, we take advantage of, we take advantage of those cycles uh, as hunters. Exactly. Uh, but it's great, it's great when you can stop and you have, like, I had those rules too. Like, if I saw a doe come out, like, I always waited. If I, even if I was going to fill the freezer, I would wait to see if she had fawn. Right. Like, I, I would, that would, like, just devastate me to shoot a deer early and not, and then have its fawns come out after. Like, I would feel horrible. Um, so there was always that, that um, appreciation of what's actually going on, not just it's for me. Like I have to balance nature too. I had 35 acres. I was managing it to be long-term, you know, I wanted a nice healthy deer population. And like, like you, I observed my herd and I took pride in knowing all the bucks and does on that property when I saw them in person. And, uh, and I like that you set that limit of having that relationship with the animal. Um, I would always hunt early and late. I never rifle hunted. I always bow hunted. I wanted that intimacy with that animal. I didn't feel that it was, it was fair of me to be able to sit a hundred yards away and blindside them. Like I should have to be able to get within that bow range to take that animal. Just my personal, it was just something that I saddled on, but I always hunted early. Like I was in Minnesota. So I was hunting like bow season. I would hunt like the middle of September till maybe late October. And then I wouldn't go anywhere near the woods in rut in, in the rut basically. Cause that was always rifle season, but I didn't ever want to be in the, in the woods during rifle season. Cause I didn't want to get shot. And, uh, <laughs> so, so I would wait. And then after rifle season, I would sit infrequently when it was a nice enough day. Like I had plenty of meat in the freezer and I just enjoyed being out there more than actually taking an animal. I wasn't doing it for sustenance because I, I had a farm full of meat, but I just enjoyed the nature and those times of year made it easier to enjoy, um, easier to enjoy it because I wasn't freezing my ass off really. Right. Uh, I was enjoying the weather. I was enjoying the surroundings and it wasn't harsh conditions, but you said something earlier about putting blinders on and not being in the moment and observing around you. And that in the concrete world, it seems to happen more. Um, and I think one of the things that really made me thought, think of was jobs, routines, um, you know, everybody's got their routine. They get up at the same time, they go get in there, they have their breakfast, they get in their car, they drive to work, they do their job at work. And it's all programmed. It's all um, repetitive stuff. Even if the job changes, the cycle is all the same. So you throw up blinders just to make it through the day. You don't have to observe everything. You know what you're doing. Well, you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but this is the mindset that you get in when you're in the city or when you're in town, when you're in the not in nature is you're functioning on just a routine. And I think once you go out and there is no routine, like even in nature, when you pattern a deer, it's never exactly the same. That's one thing that I really enjoy about what I do now is getting the opportunity to take people from the concrete world out into the wilderness because you know they get caught up in those routines right and when you get out into the wilderness man it it's spring it's totally different you know you get maybe 10 feet from the truck and all of a sudden you don't have a cell phone 
those are those are scary things to people but when they march through it and they realize you know two or three hours later when we're coming back to the truck i actually relied on myself you know i think is something that really puts a not only a smile on their face but it gives them that confidence that they can add to the routine and you know i think a lot about the aspects of this conversation so far and it really speaks to the idea of conservation and of stewardship and those are things that we look at in the context of oh only sportsmen do that stuff you know and they only do that to pat themselves on the back you know they're only out there killing an animal and patting themselves on the back saying hey i'm helping the environment right <laughs> however and this is like where it really became interesting and fun for me and also very cool is in those early days i actually picked up the north american wildlife conservation model i picked up the document and i started reading really in-depthly and thinking about my footsteps within the concrete world and then my footsteps in the wilderness yeah, I get out there and I harvest an animal and I do the same thing. You know, I'll tell somebody, hey, I'm helping the environment, right? I'm also feeding myself and taking part in the circle of life. However, the, the limits, the rules, the regulations and the way that we do things, it was something that was developed over time, right? You know, if you go back to like the hide hunters and the way that they took out the buffalo, Every year they'd kill so many and then eventually they'd show up in the spot and the buffalo didn't, didn't show up as well. And they stopped and looked each, at each other and said, hey, we're doing something wrong here. Right. We need to go back and correct it. Well, that fundamental idea is one of the things that within our own individual lives, we never really put into context. You know, we make a mistake in our life. And we just kind of brush it off. We end up down the line realizing, man, we threw some uh, some trauma and some stuff in the backpack that we shouldn't be carrying. I really wish I could go back and do that and fix that. You know, like the whole what if idea. And I'll give you I'll give you a great example. You know, I've I've been divorced twice. My first marriage, I had a daughter that I had lost touch with this beautiful little girl for way too many years it was always something that haunted me right and finally one day i felt like i was in the right place to go back and correct that and not only that was that something that drastically changed my life but when i look at her because we built this amazing relationship right over the past couple of years and when i look at her compared to the, that very first encounter, you can see the benefit that that caused for her, how it changed her life. And these are lessons that, you know, you can pick up any, any which where. It doesn't have to be in the wilderness. If you're somebody that likes to sew, for example, or bake or whatever the, you know, whatever your hobbies are, bringing yourself back into the moment and realizing, you know, what it is that you're fundamentally doing it opens up the door to all these things that, you know, when you're sitting on the couch staring at a TV, you feel like you'll never be able to achieve. Right. Where, uh, where are you located, actually? I am actually just outside of Detroit, Michigan. Okay, so you're in Michigan. So you, you dealt with similar, similar weather to me, but uh, um, isn't it amazing that... You, you said that, you know, you can take people out for a few hours and the smiles on their face when they come back to the truck, when they realize I, I, I did something for myself, I relied on myself, I achieved something new or anything to, to that effect in three hours, dude. Like, <laughs> how, how amazing is that, that it, it can be that quick? And how disturbing is it that we as people in general have lost connection that much that it can be that quick that like that you don't need more than a few hours of, of, of being in nature to realize, Holy shit, I'm really been helpless. 
it is a very scary and dispowering thing. And I think, you know, it was probably something that really tied into my story, you know, originally and the way that the depression, the anxiety had that grip. But when you get out there and you start to feel confident because you're relying on yourself, you're doing all the different tasks that it takes to get, you know, not necessarily just to get through, but to really enjoy. It brings you out of the sense of survival mode. And it really makes you feel empowered. And that is, that is, I believe, one of the most important principles to be able to balance your circle and balance yourself and really live in harmony with who you're supposed to be. I think I think a lot of um, a lot of the the issues that people have, um, and I think there's a lot of self diagnosis of of some mental illness is probably not. I think it's more of a um, a reaction to the conditions that were put in, and not that that's not mental illness, but the amazing change that you can see when you remove yourself from all the bullshit, all the so the looking at social media so it's i'm i have this weird double-edged sword you know i i want to get away from it but doing what i do you kind of have to be in it like that's how you get your message out that's how you promote yourself and and i may be talking about my life but i need to put that out there uh, in front of eyes so dabbling in it and understanding what i think of it so I'm trying to put out more content that I consume. That's always my goal. It never really happens, but I want to put out more posts than I read in a day. It is what it is. You, I, you know, you can have lofty goals, but um, but anyway, getting out of that, getting out of those that soundbite stuff, the the triggers, the like these these social media platforms are engineered to cause that anxiety, cause that attention deficit, the, the hyperactivity, um, that is what they're designed to do. Um, and when you turn it off and you just look at a tree or you look at a stream, it's amazing how much that brings you out and how fast it can happen. It really does. And, you know, I, I can relate completely to that because obviously with my project, getting it out there being you have to have a voice on social media right and then when you're doing the kind of work that we do you do put a very personal spin and a very personal touch on on it you actually put yourself out there and when i listen to you talk about it it instantly brings up this idea of how one would go about visually seeing the ability to step back away from it and not absorb it that way. And the idea that comes to mind is the idea of you know, how the process of filtering water, you know, you're out on the trail and you've got to have water. So you come up to a water source and whether you're carrying, you know, aqua tablets and iodine or you're actually building the filtration filtration system, it really helps you to see that you can do the same thing because you can look at social media. I mean, obviously we have to do it all the time, but not, not absorbing the personal attack, you know, that personal attack being whatever it is that may be potentially in the water source that you're getting ready to consume. You run it through that filter and in a perfect world, it removes everything out of that water and it's healthy to drink right well we're able to do that for ourselves too but it, it gets back to that idea of mindfulness being present and aware of hey is this going to be good for me i know i have to go through and i have to complete this task but whatever it is that is trying to attach itself to me or make me read and really think about is it going to be good for me and, you know, if it's not, there's a great line in, in the Meditations by Marcus Aurelius that he reminds himself over and over again, you have a right to not have an opinion. You know, you have this right to not even think about what 
you know, said person writes on social media. Just yeah. because it's there doesn't mean you have to respond. Doesn't mean you have to even think Are about it. Are you sure? Are you sure? He must have wrote that before <laughs> like, social media existed because it doesn't apply now. I'm sure. I'm sure everybody has to reply to everything. Uh, before you move on, my buddy Josh here, he's a he's a good old boy down in uh, in Texas and an outdoorsman. Uh, he said it's ironic the survival mode and survival both training and practice are not the same thing. He he was talking about that you're right. He's never been in the forest and been stuck in his own head. You're always, if you're training to stay alive, always constantly observing. You're uh, analyzing for threats. You're, you're figuring out how to care for yourself for the next minute. You don't have time to be just bogged down and, you know, and then he, uh, he also said that uh, we forget, we forget what reality is until we strip away all the bullshit and get out into nature where we came from. It's very true. And I mean, you know, it's very simple, but yet it's this idea that even though it's so simple, it's so damn hard to do, you know, it's like you can lead a horse to water but you can't stick his head in the, in the river and expect him to drink. He's actually got to have the desire to do it. And that's where in the concrete world, it's so convenient. We've molded the earth to literally serve us. So, you know, sitting on the couch and everything just automatically comes to you is so much easier than lacing up the hiking boots, putting yourself out on a trail especially you know a couple of day hike and adventure and going through the process and that's where meditation i feel like comes in and becomes this very important aspect that you can utilize within the concrete world it's great and it's powerful and it helps you in the wilderness as well which is a great place to practice and develop it however bringing it into the concrete world gives you that ability to build those muscles to build the muscle memory that when you get in a situation where autopilot takes over it's almost like you know a snap of a finger in the back of your head says hey wait a minute stop you got to actually be here and experience this stuff you know another great stoic seneca writes a lot about how it's not the fact that we life doesn't have enough time in it or there's not enough time in the day it's the fact that we mismanage these that one resource and it's a non-renewable resource when we walk up and down a street we almost take that for granted because essentially the lights are on every single night you know the food is there in the restaurant every single day we've got that luxury so the essential bare minimum non-renewable resource we give it away too easily and then and then at the end of the day we go man there wasn't enough time in the day i spent three hours on social media i spent eight hours or you know actually two or three hours at work that i didn't want to do you know (laughs) to build on that idea that we don't we have this right and this ability to not have an opinion we also have those same rights and abilities to just say no to something, you know, and actually dictate and become like the most tight gripped manager of that resource. We don't know how much of it we actually have. So if you have 30 bucks on your debit card and you know, you've got to hold on to it to pay a bill, you're not going to run to the gas station and grab a bunch of junk food, right? You're going to actually pay that bill. I mean, most people, well, some well, people. <laughs> in, a, in an ideal world, I guess you could say. <laughs> and the same um, thing. Hey, do you have? Do you happen to listen to? Um, do you happen to listen to the Survival Podcast by chance, uh, Jack Spearco? I do. You do. So you've heard him talk about making the most of your dash. Um, yes. That's that's all I was thinking when when you were saying that is that's that's making the most of your dash. And Josh down here says. Uh, this is so. This is Josh. He's on the expert council for uh, TSP. He's the butcher guy on the on the expert council now. But he uh, he says that time is a deflationary asset. It becomes more valuable the more it depletes, and and that's that's for sure. 
And the problem is you never know when it's going to be gone. You know, it's getting less, exactly. but you never know when it's going to be empty. Exactly. And, you know, at the end of the day, when you think about how all the time that we're here accumulates into this story that we're told we silently live back, right? It plays back as we, as we die. It's better and more fulfilling to be able to look back and have this life that you actually intended and wanted to live. And it gets back to the idea of purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And finding exactly what your purpose is. And this is the kind of stuff that I really enjoy helping somebody explore. For sure. For sure. I have a, I do a question every morning on my show. And um, I, a couple days ago, it was, um, what are, what are two things that are still on your bucket list or something like that? And my wife, were, my wife and I were having a discussion about it. And we were talking about the fact that I really don't feel like I have a bucket list since I've changed years and have tried to live more in the moment, have tried to do what I wanted when I wanted, whenever it was logistically possible. But I think that really takes the idea of a bucket list and makes it irrelevant because if you're living in the moment and you're doing everything that you want to, you're, you're fulfilling that bucket list as you're going. But that's kind of the thing is being open and willing to expand your horizons. It makes that bucket list almost constantly evolve, right? Right. <laughs> so if you take that gigantic picture and you shrink it down to a little morsel that we call a 24 hour day and you achieve everything that you have laid out for the day as you begin to expand, we'll call that essentially a shelter, right? You're in this little survival situation. You've built your shelter. You've got that most important thing set. So now you can start to look for a way to build a fire. And then as you get the fire, you start to expand and make yourself more comfortable. And to me, that's the same diagram of a bucket list is I've got this, this primary place I want to be or thing that I want to experience, but I can't just stand up and jump off a cliff and end up there. I've actually got to, you know, acquire this, learn how to do that, you know, explore that and go through all these different steps. So as I'm doing that and I'm present and I'm mindful, I'm engaged and I'm actually taking a part of it, it may change the process. But a lot of that comes down to this idea that we hit this roadblock because of the fear of the unknown. Right. You know, I don't want to be walking toward, say, Montana and all of a sudden there's something over here that catches my eye and I end up in Florida. Right. To me, that just, you know, of course, it, it it's the fun and the freedom of the adventure. And that's really what it boils down to. One of the reasons that we're here, because that's how you discover your purpose is by taking those random left and right turns and walking in circles and everything else. And, you know, there's a quote from Daniel Boone that I really love when he talks about the idea of hiking around and everything like that. You know, sure, he never actually got lost in the woods. He got turned around for a few days, didn't have a direction, but he always managed to find his way back home, which correlates into another quote from uh, Davy Crockett that I really love and actually have on my website is, you know, he recommend or he mentions to young hunters as they're out in the woods and they get lost. The way home isn't exactly the one that you anticipated, meaning that you have to be willing to blaze your own path. You don't have to follow what someone else tells you or walk down that same beaten trail. You're allowed to explore and discover things that you may not have ever known were there. And the reason that you encounter them is because it was pres prescribed for you and only you to become a part of your story. 
that inevitably you end up having to replay and going, hey, that was actually enriching and enjoyable. That it kind of that blazing the new trail home. It, it's it's kind of funny. So we had we had thirty five acres. It's not a big it's not a big amount of land. We had two fairly large side sides size fields, and then two decent chunks of woods, and then a swamp in between. So I I mean I spent a lot of time on that property, and I I saw quite a bit of stuff. And I will tell you, man, like. I'd be five years in and be walking along and the storm had gone through and a tree had gotten knocked down to where I had to kind of go a different way. Like you're saying and blaze a new trail, not just walk down the trail that we had walked and beat down and cut down and all that. And I discovered things even probably until within a couple months of us leaving of things on that property on 35 acres in seven years and being out there as much as I can because a tree fell down I ended up seeing something that I didn't know was there. Well, it gets back to the idea. You never step in the same river twice. Right. Yep. And yep. each path in its own leads you somewhere new. That's the fun part of life. But when you get hung up on, you know, all the negatives or the autopilot and just going through the motions, these are the aspects that you miss out on. And, right. you know, you got to be willing to step into the unknown in order to do that. Now, it doesn't have to be just a blind, I throw a dart at the wall and that's where I go type guess. You can actually sit and almost like part of the process of hunting, pull out the binoculars and glass in order to observe, right? You scout out where you're going. You make these calculated kind of risks. And that gets back to being able to assess a situation. And journaling is a very, very powerful tool for that. Just like meditation is. You're able to weigh your options and see what's going to be best for you. And then you track into it. Yeah, it's still the unknown. But it gives you that feeling of, I've got the tools. Because a lot of the time... I've noticed the people that I've talked to and had these conversations with is it boils down to the idea of you walk a path for so long and then you get to an unexpected mountain. Now you sit in the valley because you didn't expect the mountain to be there. The climbing rope is going to be too damn heavy to throw in the pack and, you know, whatever. So I don't have the rope. I can't climb it. The reality is that the unknown represents that mountain and it was never about the rope the skills are in you the energy the effort and everything that you need in order to scale the unknown is acquired along that path and that trail and to bring yourself presently into the moment and look at the situation becomes that rope you know you're able to build it yourself yeah yeah, for sure. I so I had something on your list here um, that you had on your profile to talk about is uh, is animal medicine, and this kind of this kind of um, piqued my interest. Uh, we we kind of got into exploring different things uh, through the medical industry and things like that. So anytime I see anything that doesn't say mainstream medicine and somebody wants to talk about it, man, what what are we talking about with uh, with animal medicine? All right, well. You know, honestly, animal medicine is a very spiritual thing, and it boils down to a lot of, it was something that was really prevalent within Native American culture. And as we talked about earlier with the story of the Longhorn, that right there is a dose of animal medicine. Now, I can give you another great example, because what it is, is it's something that helps you to identify a situation within yourself, right? Like uh, with a lot of the things that I've gone through, trusting people and being willing to engage in real engaging relationships is something that I struggle with and almost want to turn and go the other way. Now, it's also admitting that and realizing that makes makes you see, hey, I am, uh, 
what's the word I'm um I'm shooting myself in the foot here mm, right yeah, okay. I'm holding myself back and about a couple weeks back I was out fishing at one of my favorite fishing spots and you know I was in the situation in the concrete world at my day job where I was up for a promotion and in order to take that promotion and be able to really do the job, I had to be willing to engage in those kind of relationships. <laughs> now I've done a lot of, a lot of work, obviously to get from point A to point B. However, there's that one, one spot. And while I'm fishing, this gigantic snake decides to swim across the river and just, you know, sprawl out on a log about five feet away from me and just sit there. And the more I thought about it, you know, what a snake represents isn't all of those scary, fearful things. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of us are afraid of snakes. However, when I think about in a context to the situation that I'm facing in the concrete world, you know, in order for a snake to grow, they shed their skin, right? And as they shed their skin and they grow, those logs and different things that they have to navigate don't feel so tiny. And for me, being able to be willing to accept that I've grown <clears throat> and shed that layer of fear or that hang up or, you know, actually wrap my, a bandage around my foot and let it heal it was the power to step forth, take that spot and then be able to actually make it mine. And, you know, even to continue that story, it was funny because a couple days later I came into the deer blind to sit down and start writing. And out of nowhere, there was this little baby raccoon that decided to come hang out out here with me. Now a raccoon represents many different masks right if you if you look at its face it wears a mask and that's something that we all do we all try to hide behind these different things because number one we're scared of what's behind it number two is too don't want too much damn work to admit hey i got a problem and i gotta i gotta deal with it right you gotta be perfect everybody's perfect man exactly there's nothing wrong with anybody everybody's normal you're you're just weird so uh, you better pretend Exactly. And these are the kind of things that, you know, when you see what well, really it comes off of the animal totems. And when you see these different signs from animals that under your enter your path and whatnot, these are the kind of lessons that, yeah, they're not living in a story. I'm the one writing the story that I think he's living. However, these are the kind of kind of things that they help you in order to heal yourself and grow and become pro prosperous and you know make the, all those giant leaps forward right right i uh it's funny so you you're talking animal totems and stoicism and things like that and i think back to so i, I started doing these interviews and I, I pulled them out as their own kind of podcast feed and i'm going back and thinking about the, the interviews i've had and I've talked to somebody at length about animal totems and I've talked to a whole episode about stoicism and I'm like, I'm, I'm drawn to people that understand these things. I think because a, I'm learning from you and B, I think we're like-minded. Um, we think, we think very similarly, but I can also learn from you. And I think you could probably learn from me because, because we, we understand those things. And that's where letting go of the ego comes into play because you're willing to admit, Hey, I don't know everything <laughs> that that's like a giant step. And, you know, a lot of us get caught up on, Hey, I know everything. I can do all this. So I want to know everything. <laughs> right. Right. So there's nothing more that I can do. And you know what, when you're in that mindset, you're right. You can't go any further. However, if you really want, to go forward, you have to open yourself up. You have to almost put the ego down and humble yourself. You know, it, it, it's 
uh, it's a lot of the idea of embracing the suck factor in life because you know you you run into a situation and you're like man this is sucks this is stupid i feel so dumb right now because i don't know that and guess what that's okay give yourself the grace to say hey maybe i didn't know that but i just learned it now yeah and now i get to add that to my vocabulary well, yeah, and I mean, I think you were saying embrace the suck too. Is like there's shitty things you have to do in life, man. Yes. It, it, it is. It is. It like there is shitty stuff. I'm never, I'm never going to take some child and look at them and say your life is going to be peaches and cream. You're never going to have to deal with anything shitty. Life sucks. It really does. Like, um, I think about the fact like if I wasn't in the world is and like i'm trying to like dip out of the world like my wife and i are kind of like we kind of network with our own people we're traveling around the rv we're doing things different um but i look at people that are in that like cocoon of that we talked about in the concrete world and how fragile they are and how they look at something and just lose their mind because it's the most horrible experience they've ever had and then i think about the fact that i live in an rv I have a, I've, I've put myself in this situation. I'm not saying, oh, feel bad for me or anything. But we do things a little harder than need be. I have three St. Bernards and a 35-foot travel trailer with everything I own. Um, we, we do things a little harder than need be. But then I think even further back to people that survived in the wilderness on their skills. The people that like frontiersmen or even prior to that. And what their shitty day looked like. Like their days were shitty all the time <laughs> compared to what we're doing. But what did they consider a shitty day? Like when they got bit by a bear, like, <laughs> like how can I, how can I look at what they went through and what they accomplished and say that, you know, I had a flat tire. So my day was ruined. Really? <laughs> I think it goes into the context though. You know, the context of the world that we live in, but you have to challenge yourself, you know, Seneca talked a lot also about this idea that you fear the man that has never faced adversity because adversity is the only way that you're ever going to know what is inside of you. You know, it, it's the only way you can really uncover what you're capable of doing. And to get out into the wilderness again, think about the idea of sleeping in a tent and the middle of the winter when there's a blizzard going on and it's below zero it sucks it can be done but guess what you're gonna learn so much about yourself and resilience that when you come back into the real world and you face man i'm on the freeway my tire just blew i got this you know that okay. that, that confidence <laughs> level right and so those no, go ahead. So adversity, you're saying adversity causes causes you to really find out what you're made of. And all it made me want to say is how many times, how many stories have you heard people that said, I didn't have any other thing I could do and I made it work. I was down to my last hundred bucks in the bank account and I made my business work. Or I came up with this idea when I had no other choice. It's when people's backs are against the wall and they're facing adversity and they're willing to tackle that, that's when things flourish. People don't grow as much when it's like, oh, okay, well, I could do a little better or I'll be okay. Like things happen when it needs to happen and you really are willing to tackle that. And that's where it gets back to that idea that, you know, I shared earlier where everything is prescribed specifically for you. We've got to embrace it, you know, don't run away from it. The obstacles and the impediments that we face, those are the way, you know, you've got to suck it up and embrace that suck as we talked about and just do it, put your head down and, you know, whatever it takes to get through it. And then when you get on the other side, you're like, man, I didn't know I could do that. And, you know, th there's a story that I heard years ago about a guy that uh was a part of a he was a victim of a bear attack and 
he got mauled, got his face ripped off and everything. But he survived. And being pulled out of the woods, his eyeball hanging out of his head on nothing but an aspirin, giving them flight directions on how to get him to the hospital. Those are the kind of moments, yeah, a lot of us will never have to face, thank God. However, anything that you look at or you experience, you could write a story within your own head that says, man, I'm I'm bleeding out. My eyeball's hanging out of my head. I got to get these guys to uh, fly me to the hospital. And you do it because there's no other choice. The other, the other choice is what to go sit in the corner and let let life pass you by. Die, <laughs> pretty much. I had a, I got a listener that um, that blew his thumb off with a firearm malfunction at the range. He was by himself, and he's like, it was like I didn't even know it happened. Um, he put it, he applied a tourniquet. He got it. He had safety training. He had survival training. He had all the training, and he just went into automatic mode drove himself to the hospital and then realized, holy shit, I blew my finger. (laughs) He's like, but it was just like instant and that trauma and that shock. And if he hadn't gone through that, those motions, I don't think it would have happened, but yeah, those moments and you go, what would I do? What, What would I do? Would I curl up and, and sit at the range and bleed out? Or would I figure out what to do? Like, can I calm myself? Can I, can I be mindful in that moment? Like, that's the ultimate goal is in that amount of adversity, be able to be mindful, be able to be in that situation and, and slow everything down. Like, holy crap. That's like Zen level there. And, you know, it's something that we can all achieve. It comes down to a matter of testing yourself and also training yourself. You know, we talk about all the time the idea of going to the gym and doing the physical work, right? But the the mindful aspect is the exact same thing. You might not see, say, you know, your bi- your biceps might not get bigger because you're you're meditating or you're journaling or anything like that. But you're in the dojo, you're working through all these problems and you're getting yourself ready. You know, for example, having the medical training to survive a situation like that. And that that's something that I feel like we all need to prioritize a lot more is doing that mental work to be prepared. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's, I, I, I realized when he put it in the comments, uh, uh, Josh, the guy that's been commenting, he, he stabbed himself in the leg with a sword. Uh, he was into some pretty cool martial arts and stuff. And he hadn't done it for quite a while, and he was a little rusty, and he tried to do something he really shouldn't have, and he stabbed himself in the thigh. And he said, "If you know, if he had freaked out in that moment, he'd probably be dead." But it was one of those. I know what to do. I just need to do it and freak out later for sure. Right, and you know, I got a a small version or example of that. Uh, recently, I was out on a camping trip with the kids, and splitting firewood. I ended up putting the axe halfway through my thumb. Now, had I flipped out, obviously with two young kids, it would have been a disaster, right? But I went through the process of taking care of it and everything else, and neither one of them ever actually knew. They thought I was still chopping firewood. And that's just from repetitive practice and, you know, actually thinking through worst-case scenarios, the uncomfortable stuff. and not shying away from being ready and there's nothing more important than the idea of investment now so that later on you you live right oh for sure for sure that and those stories like the stories of of you and your thumb and josh and and samurai sword and uh you know sean and 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 uh, having his firearm malfunction makes you realize I really need to figure this out. Like I really should. Like I'm I'm being irresponsible to myself and and my wife because if I freak out and something's happening that that affects her. Um, like I need to be a responsible human being and be ready if something happens. Uh, but then you also have to pump the brakes and make sure you don't go absolutely overboard trying to prepare for any possible scenario in the world. Like there's that, that heavy balance there. And I think there's some practical stuff that you can really go after and and achieve. 
No, I think you're absolutely right is, you know, you don't go running around sounding the alarm, but I want to pose an idea here is the fact that when these situations do come up and you embrace them and you realize that really, even though it was kind of like a tragic moment, there's beauty on the other side. So, you know, you're able to see that, yeah, I got to go through it, but there's something good that's going to come out of it. And uh, one of the companies that has jumped on my camp, they're uh, called MyMedic, was actually founded based on that. The fact that, you know, their father was in a car crash, cost him his life. You know, nobody was prepared. And that was the result. So out of that, they turned their mission in life to helping others be prepared and be ready should they face those kind of situations. And... You know, for all the stoicism we've kind of thrown out there, I don't know if you realize or not, but stoicism was actually founded on a tragedy. Because Zeno the Great, the original, you know, the guy that founded stoicism, he was a merchant and he lost his riches and his life savings when his ship went down. He washed up in Athens and, you know, he could have turned to the bottle and become a drunk and just kind of lived out his days, whatever. However, he stumbled into a bookstore and he just happened to hear somebody speaking who uh, he got up and asked, hey, where can I find somebody like that? And as fate would have it, his teacher just happened to be passing by and he was pointed that direction. You know, Project Mindfully Outdoors, my project, is out there to benefit and help people based on my own tragedy and things that I've gone through and experienced. And just like the work that you do, you know, you put these conversations out here based on things that you've been through. As a tribe, we're all here individually trying to scratch and claw our way through. But realizing that even though that's the independent mission, as a, as a group, we can collectively come together and make that mission a little bit easier by sharing our experiences and helping each other is something that is a very, very beautiful and amazing part of the human experience to be able to take part in. Yeah. I think having these conversations, you and I, two guys sitting here with beards and baseball hats and bullshitting about like the shit that we've been through and it's okay. Like, we can talk about this shit. We can talk about being okay and use and you the woo woo of, you know, using nature to make yourself feel a little better, make yourself get through the day more effectively and be a better fucking person in general. Exactly. Like, I find myself the more I'm in nature when I'm not in nature, I'm just a better person. That's how I feel too. I mean, if I go too long without reconnecting, I feel like something is off, you know, that is kind of like become my it's always been my go-to safe space but in this chapter of my life it is something that is extremely fundamental and having those values you have to look within to realize that i need this and this and this in order to have that shelter internally and that i believe is a part of building a comfortable and happy existence. Mike, tell me about um, what you got going on with Project Mindfully Outdoors and like what you're working on right now, what anything you got coming up or where people can find more or, uh, you know, just throw it out there. Plug, plug away. Um, plug away. <laughs> have at it, man. Like, let, let me know. I mean, the conversation we've had, um, I can only imagine your project is very, very mindful and uh and thought through so i mean have at her let, let me know what's going on all right well i've got my website is the camp the base camp of healing and growth and discovery now and that's at project mindfully outdoors.co and when you get there i've got links to my podcast i've got links to sign up to do one-on-one -on -one guided meditation and if you just happen to be somewhere in the michigan vicinity or area we can connect together and do those things in person. Now, a part of that is not only building these mental, you know, meditation skills, 
but it's also life skills through different outdoor aspects. You know, I can teach you one way or another how to build a shelter. You can apply that to life in whatever way seems fitting. Now, another thing that I got going on is I'm a part of the Adrian Outdoors Pro Staff for fishing. So I love getting out there and helping them push their products. Also, I would, like I mentioned, teamed up with my medic and love helping get that life-saving kind of information out there. Then we've got, you know, tons of partnerships that I'm a part of. There's a, there's a book in the works that should be out hopefully by the end of the year. Uh, let's see. We got the website, got podcast covered. Got the man. There's so much going on right now. It's crazy. I mean, dude, it sounds, it sounds like my life. Somebody, somebody. I was on somebody else's show, and they asked me, "Well, what do you got going on?" I was like, "Well, which day? Exactly. <laughs> which hour? Which day?" <laughs> exactly. And I mean, you know, to me, these these kind of conversations aren't about selling the stuff. I mean, if it interests you, awesome. I'd love to help you out. But to me, it's about giving the. Sorry, that, man. Oh, you're good. It's about giving that aspect where it gives you something to think about and to motivate you. And that that's really what Project Project Mindfully Outdoors is all about, is getting out there and building that progress and discovering. Nice. I Yeah, that's exciting. That's exciting. I'm definitely digging in and, uh, and checking that out. I encourage all my listeners to. Um, Hey, we're at an hour. I asked you for an hour. Um, I kind of like to stick to that. Uh, I like to give my my guests um, the floor at the end to kind of not plug their stuff, but just leave the audience with a thought or um, a quote or story or anything you want. And then we'll kind of wrap up and uh, and take off, man. Let's see. Uh, I always hit everybody at the end on my show with this. So <laughs> I'm going to go. Around, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> I'm going to go with the idea of the fact that we are never truly lost. The Daniel Boone quote that we mentioned, we get turned around in life number and a number of times. However, we all have a purpose. You know, we're not here just for any old reason. And being within that circle of feeling lost or bewildered in the, the woods or the concrete the concrete world, whatever metaphor you want to use is an aspect that pushes you toward finding that purpose. But it takes, it takes a willingness to actually participate. You have to relinquish yourself to the trail, stop swimming against the current. And when you do that, you're going to ultimately end up building a beautiful camp for yourself that's going to build a legacy that you get to look back on and it's going to touch and impact so many people that get to look back on it as well. You know, when, when you're born, they say it's you that cries while the world rejoices, right? In the end, I believe it should be the other way around. When your life ends, it's you that rejoices and everyone else that cries. Hey man, I, uh, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. What I appreciate the chat. I think it was great. Um, your project sounds fantastic and I encourage people to check it out and, uh, grab that website in the video description, the auto description. Um, Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say goodbye. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap things up. If you'll hang out for a few minutes, I'll chat with you after that's cool. Yeah. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. All right, man. Mike Martin from Project Mindfully Outdoors. Great chat, man. I I love talking to guys that uh, have really dove into stoicism uh, and outdoors, obviously. So uh, be sure to check out the website. I will have it again. I will have it in the video description, the audio description. Uh, Check it out. I appreciate you listening tonight. Again, this is the last last live. 
Monday, Thursday night until the end of July. We'll do a, a trip recap there on July 31st, so be sure to check that out. But there will be pre-recorded releases all month, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy, enjoyed tonight's show, please consider sharing it with others. You can find it on at thelotsproject.com or on Noster Telegram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Rumble, and Instagram. Be sure to listen on one of your favorite podcasts, 2.0 Value for Value podcast players like Podverse or Fountain.fm. Make it a great night, guys, and we will talk to you in the morning. I can feel the sun shining in the